Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Welcome to Girl on the Gov, the podcast, breaking down politics as we know it and removing all the bullshit. (laughs) Because politics needed a (laughs) rebrand. Welcome to Girl and the Gov, the podcast, to your top stories episode of the week, coming to you live, where I just spilled on my laptop for Again. the second time today, and the fourth time, maybe fifth, in the past few months. At least fifth. Yeah. I think it comes in waves for me, like where my hands just malfunction and I just spill everything in my path. Like last night, I... Mm was eating corn on the cob and it just dropped out of my hand and like banged on my plate and like made the loudest noise and my parents were like got it together like (laughs) (laughs) and then this morning spilled my glass of water all over my computer scrambling all day to make it work I went and bought a keyboard because my keyboard's malfunctioning and then a lot of other weird creepy things my computer is doing just completely tweaking out so that's my I, situation for the day i'm gonna so start made. putting money on the amount of times i get like a text and it's like oh fuck. i spilled all over my spilled, keyboard again spilled again <laughs> to it's so funny because it's like one of my most nerve <laughs> nervous things ever like i won't keep any liquid near my computer because i am so paranoid about it yeah, I shouldn't. So the irony I should do yeah, that you, as like, well. But I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend Doctor Doctor Sammy here, computer doctor, computer wizard, aka neither of those things, because you literally just told me about a calendar thing that I didn't even know existed. So <laughs> yeah. it's fine. I just spill on my technology that makes it not work, but Sam just doesn't know how to use technology. So we're just two pieces in a pot over here. But Sam had the best suggestion, which was getting me sippy cups, and that's going to be my Amazon order immediately after this recording. So there we go. If anyone wants to donate to that non-gun, not GoFundMe, GoFundMe, feel free to slide to our DMs. We will hit you up with that account. Yeah, 100%. Oh my gosh, we make a girl only gov sippy cup? I love sippy cups. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) I love a good mouthpiece, you know, like... (laughs) You know, like the Gatorades with the twisty cap, like there's nothing They're my better. favorite. There's nothing better than that. Like literally post sport, getting one of those and either you're hung over the yellow flavor. <laughs> That's the adult or version. That. Yeah. Although I will say that I have made big moves in the hangover game Ooh, and I really become like a liquid IV or what is the brand that you Element. Really like? What am I? element yeah i love either of those and i'm huge fans and i think that saves me a lot more than gatorade totally but gatorade like i still drink like gatorade's like a hungover craving more than anything a thirsty craving i literally walked by a walgreens the other day a little two for or no sorry it was a three for ten deal and i couldn't say no but anyways i do want to say that I have a story. Oh gosh. Because this is not political, but just funny. And I, I'm here for the takes on it. 
All right, we're going to get the story, so, and then we're going to get the top stories of the week. The top of the Let's top. Let's hear it. The tippity top. Okay, so I haven't been on Hinge in a while. Mm. I dive back mm. in. Just like sometimes, you know, you want to just see, okay, who's who's throwing me a like? Whatever. I'm going like X, X, X. Oh, mm, same. Whatever. That's me too. Just sometimes it's you get a, a bad bunch. Bad and either way, real bad batch so far. And I get this one. And this guy looks so familiar. I'm like, why? Like, what is with this? And I start looking at the qualifications, whatever. And then I realize, I'm like, I met this guy at a random party in the hills in LA, like hmm. on that on that last LA trip. Literally random, random party at this kid's house. I'm like, I know you. And he like hit me with a like. And I'm like, okay. Huh. Small like, world. That might be your are... husband. The mountains mm-hmm. have said that to you. <laughs> <laughs> Maddie thinks I'm going to marry every male that I encounter. (laughs) There is one that I do want to marry. That does feel like a fate situation, though. That one does. Maybe LA is your your dating pool. I think so. We've got quite a few options hopping in the pot from there. But. But. So I, whatever, he responds to one of my prompts. And then I throw it back like I ignore that, whatever. I'm like, I'm 90% sure that like I met you at a house party in LA. And he was like, yeah, you look pretty, like, super familiar what party it was, like, was it or whatever. And I have a missed call. I didn't even know you could call people on this damn app. And he was like, oh, yeah, that was at my house. I want to know, like, how the company is doing. Like, hate messaging. Call me back when you're free. And here's the thing. Who calls? Who calls on Hinge? Yeah, that's a little problematic, honestly, to me. Feels bizarre. Feels a little bit serial killer vibes. I couldn't like, agree more. You don't have my phone like, number yet, and there's a reason for that. So don't call me on Hinge app. That's like why, like same with like Instagram. Like, why didn't Instagram try to implement like a video call or any type of calling in their direct oh message? It's just so weird. Yep, it's so weird. No hate against this guy by any means, but just like not quite my vibe. Well, small if world. Anyone... We love a small world moment. We've been getting a lot of those lately. Totally. All right. So, <laughs> okay. So, into um, top stories now. Of small worlds. <laughs> into the top stories of the week. Let's just get on into it because people can only take our rambling for so long, you know? Um, yeah. Mixed reviews on that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's get into it. We're going to keep going on this build back mansion. I just like hate that it's called Ugh. that. Can we stop doing that? Like, I feel like they think it's, like, holding him accountable, but it's, I think, just gassing him up. It's not. Yeah. So, basically, Senate Democratic leaders have agreed to move forward on a reconciliation package that allows Medicare to negotiate on drug prices and extends Obamacare subsidies for two years. No, it's not the Build Back Better bill or anything close, actually. But at this point, it's all that Schumer and other Democrats can get Senator Joe Manchin the Democrat from West Virginia, who's not an actual Democrat, to support. (laughs) So President Joe Biden has already signaled he'll take this deal as narrow as it is. So Schumer must turn it into legislative text and push it through the Senate as quickly as possible. So there's that on that. It's it's a race to the finish. This is going to be... Honestly, the race that I liked watching more from afar is the wiener dog race in mm. SF. Mm. That was on your story. Yep. Did we find out who won that? So here's the here's the annoying part. There were wiener dogs everywhere. And it's at this like event Incredible. called Off the Grid, which is like every Friday in the summer. There's food trucks, whatever. 
they decided to do a wiener dog race as a part of it as well. So we, you know, there's drinks, there's food trucks, there's wiener dogs everywhere. And then the race kicks off and like everyone swarmed over there. So I didn't see any of the race. I heard, you know, some, mm. some of what was happening, but yeah, unfortunately I didn't see much, but I sure as hell did see a lot of wiener dogs. So that was a, that was a positive. Excellent. Positive. I really, honestly, I know we don't know, but I do hope that Fritz Carlton <laughs> was the winner overall. It's so. Yeah. I, I think that. Yep. Yeah. Speaking of winners and just the capacity of legislation, Manchin in this moment, he, he's winning for him. I can't oh, say he's necessarily he winning for all, but he, you know, he's, he has his agenda. So Manchin for his part says he is still at the table and ready to negotiate, which I call grade A bullshit. Although at this point it seems pretty clear that Schumer and Biden will just take what they can get and move on. I don't think that's a bad idea. They still need Manchin for this package and other votes, meaning no burning of bridges here. West Virginia, side note, has one of the highest rates of deteriorating bridges in the country. So interesting connection there. Anyways, the infrastructure bill from earlier in the year is going to help that. So... (laughs) Nonetheless, I'm getting distracted. The timing here is key. So the Senate parliamentarian, which we did a little post on, by the way, guys, go to Girl in the Gov, the reg account, the OG. We did a little breakdown on what their role is. Basically, it's like a political referee in the Senate, but full details there. Hmm. Anyways, they're expected to hold a bipartisan meeting with staffers on Thursday, 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 as part of the birdbath for the Democrats' Medicare proposal. That means it'll be next week at the earliest before any reconciliation package is ready to roll. And it'll take a week of floor time for a, a I can't with this phrase, a voterama <laughs> on the package. Honestly, what in the 1980s? No, honestly, it's giving something Vodorama. that you would say. <laughs> like 1,000 That is a fair call out. That's something that would come out of your mouth. So I'm really shocked you're judging it. <laughs> You know, I think I'm just mad that it like I did. Yeah, up I with think it, that's and I'm exa- consciously that's just exactly pissed. what's happening. <laughs> oh man! Well, the Senate is currently scheduled to be in session until early August. We assume that passing the reconciliation package takes Democrats up until then. There is some liberal angst, both in the House and the Senate, about setting aside all of the party's long-held priorities on taxes, climate, and social programs. So Punchbowl News spent last week actually asking some some Senate Democrats whether they would um, accept this extremely paired back package, and it seems as if they will. That may change, of course, but Democrats face the distinct choice of passing something or nothing at all. The president's approval rating is in the 30s, which is really harsh. Polls consistently show that Americans believe the country is heading in the wrong direction, so passing something is pretty critical here for the Democrats. Rep Don Beyer, a Democrat from Virginia, sums up most Democrats thinking pretty well. He said, whatever subset of Build Back Better that he'll agree to, we will accept by our set of mansion. It will be a win. It won't be exactly perfect, but nothing is in this world. Except for me. Except for me, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is just feeling like the same old, same old. Like like we're we're on a hamster wheel? Major hamster wheel vibes, yeah. I I agree. The sentiment of like, look, we got to get something done for sure. Like, absolutely. There's some really critical things on the line, mm-hmm. but nothing like one freaking dude to tank vastly critical climate and social policy. Yeah. That's actually plausible. Under it's so wild. Feed. It's one so, dude. And one dude. Especially when looking to at how a lot of this stuff 
would benefit his constituents specifically. Yeah. I get it. You know, you have a big base to represent as a senator. You have an entire state. However, like this, it's just like crazy that he's getting away with this because it's like he's not, if his excuse is that he's, you know, doing what his constituents want, it's just absolute baloney. It's BS, but also I think it's one of these things that's like, you as this, as like a Dem, should to a degree like this is where the republicans do well like their unity and their like vertical integration situation like here we have another issue of like here's this dem that just going so rogue in so many ways that like it in a sense is tanking biden's numbers because biden can't get anything done and most people view like the president as in charge of all these things even though so much of this happens in you know the house and the senate and is beyond their control after a certain point but like he is creating this environment that therefore is better and bolsters the Republicans in their arguments that like Biden's a do-nothing president or do-nothing Dems, et cetera. Is there any part of him that's like loyal to the Democratic Party or like even identifies with the Democratic Party? It's just like hard to even imagine that these days. I mean, I do think that he votes for a good amount of like appointees. I think there's some things that he does roll with and i know he's been offered to caucus with the republican republicans five gazillion times and he always like says no but like there's so many things that just to me i'm like it almost would be like i'd be curious to talk to someone on their opinion of whether it would be almost smarter for him to be a republican and caucus with the democrats i'm just curious i really don't know the answer to that like if that's like strategically bullshit and like really bad and would not be you know would be the opposite or if it would actually be more palatable to think of him whatever just food for thought yeah i feel it okay well moving on to the next story we're going to talk about a little gun reform gun news period so assault weapons ban is in the works and the house judiciary committee will be voting this week on rep david sicilian is that how we say it you know it's a great question i think it's it's feeling right it's feeling... Siciline? Siciline. Yeah, actually, Siciline is good. Siciline? Hmm. We're just... Yeah, well, David C. Davy C. Well, whoever he is. He's a Democrat from Rhode Island. So this is like his assault weapons ban bill, and it's the first time the panel has taken up such a ban in decades. The bill is expected to pass in the committee and then move to the House floor before members leave for the August recess. The bill doesn't take guns away from anyone. We also have this bill linked in our back back on our bill shit story highlight. So if you want to read the summary, the text, definitely go check it out there. But this is going to be one of those things like I am curious if people calling their reps like actually does get this across. Yeah, so call your reps across the table here. Exactly, call your reps, email your reps. We'll put the phone numbers noise. in the episode description. So call your reps. Yeah. It doesn't take it doesn't take very long, a minute. So your little action items for the week that you can check off your to-do list for the day so a damning report in hours of body camera footage further laid bare the chaotic response to a mass shooting at a uvalde elementary school where hundreds of law enforcement hundreds repeating hundreds of law enforcement officers masked but then waited to confront the gunman even after a child trapped with the shooter called 911 
The findings of an investigative committee released Sunday were the first to criticize both state and federal law enforcement and not just local authorities in the South Texas city for bewildering inaction by heavily armed officers as a gunman fired inside two adjoining fourth grade classrooms at Robb Elementary School, killing 19 students and two teachers. Footage from city police officers' body cameras made public hours later only further emphasized the failures and fueled the anger and frustrations of relatives of the victims and anyone with a soul. Anyone with a soul. Nearly 400 law enforcement officials rushed to the school, but egregiously poor decision-making resulted in more than an hour of chaos before the gunman was finally confronted and killed, according to the report written by an investigative committee from the Texas House of Representatives. Together, the report and more than three hours of newly released body camera footage from May 24th tragedy, whoops, sorry, the May 24th tragedy, amounted to the fullest account to date, one of the worst school shootings in U.S. history. The report was the result of one of several investigations into the shooting, including one led by the Justice Department. So, no, I think this piece, too, though, where it says the report concluded that some officers waited because they relied on bad information while others had enough information to know better. Like, you're a police officer. Like, kids being shot at should be, like... And you hear it. You be, can like, hear it. The number one reason to like just go and stop it. Like you're a police officer, whatever training you have, use that and go stop the children from being shot. Like that should be a really, really baseline understanding of what your job is. Like absolutely wild. Like I have so many questions. <laughs> it's beyond and bizarre. It's to like another level. Like there's, I feel like so many police officers that are absolutely chicken shit, but it's one of those things where like you're literally, like the video is just like so jarring. Like the one in particular of like the guy doing hand sanitizer. Like that's, that's what go, that's what's going through your head in that moment. Ah, you know, probably should kill some germs, not the murderer. Right. Yeah. We're just killing the wrong thing. Chris Murphy's tweet. So accurate, which was... Yep, read it. The video puts to bed forever the question of whether the way to deal with bad guys with guns is to make sure there are more good guys with guns. We've always known it was a gun industry-created lie designed to sell more guns. Now we just have the gut-wrenching proof, which is literally just gave myself chills from reading that. It's so true, and it really is, like, such a big talking point on the other side of, like, okay, well, then we need to arm teachers. We need to arm or put police officers in schools. There was 400 in this school and for over an hour they allowed somebody one person with one gun versus 400 with probably 400 plus guns to continue to shoot at children for over an hour it's just absolutely bonkers and crazy and very disturbing and just devastating i can't i cannot but again loving that there is an assault rifle ban coming through the pipeline it's gonna take yes a lot of calling and texting and emailing and advocacy and yelling from the rooftops from everybody that like this needs to pass because especially in the senate that's what it would take to get through because there's a lot of people who don't believe that there should be an assault rifle ban so do what you can which is calling emailing reps and making noise because this is so obviously so needed there's another shooting yesterday too well that as well but if we have like i I don't think if we have by any shot any republicans listening we we could think some of them leave us reviews so hey you oh that's fair but i don't think they hang around (laughs) sure sure don't (laughs) 
But nonetheless, a lot of like the commentary recently has been that, and I think this is kind of just like Bible, is that the Republicans that don't budge on this know that the Republicans that turn out to vote for them are really prioritizing guns and have their eyes on gun rights. But like I, from polling, like there do seem to be many, many a Republican that feel like, hmm, I don't know, background checks or an assault rifle yeah. ban are effective tools. Totally. But because these Republicans believe that those people won't turn out to vote and vote for them, they won't make the change, which is also ridiculous. And that's a larger issue of, okay, well, you're representing your whole populace, so you guys are doing this wrong. But regardless, like, show up. You're, like, make your make your voice known and show that yes you are a voter you have to you're you're putting their feet to the fire too and they need to serve everyone not just a very small margin of people that happen to turn out and be very vocal everyone should be turning out yeah absolutely so that was a very very long-winded way of saying call vote call vote call vote vote. okay well next story is some primary action we have a primary happening today if you're listening on a tuesday maryland maryland has their primary and if you're a maryland listener then you should be a maryland voter make sure you go vote today so the republican race for maryland governor in tuesday's primary election pits a candidate backed by outgoing governor larry hogan against a rival endorsed by donald trump so it's an early showdown on hogan's home turf as he weighs a 2024 white house bid potentially against the former president So on the Democratic side, the crowded candidate field includes the former head of the National Democratic Party, a bestselling author, the current state comptroller, and a former U.S. education secretary. U.S. Senator Chris Van Hollen is facing a primary challenge as he seeks a second term following a stroke. In the U.S. House, Maryland has one open seat after the incumbent decided to seek a different office. For governor, um, Democrats are eager to win back the governor's office. So Hogan is a rare two-term Republican in a state where Democrats outnumber Republicans two to one. Wild. So a little bit more on this governor's race. Democrats are eager to win back the governor's office. And Hogan is a rare two-term Republican governor in a state where Democrats outnumber Republicans two to one. The Democratic primary for governor is shaping up as a competitive three-way race among former U.S. Labor Secretary Tom Perez, who previously served as a chair of the Democratic National Committee, author Wes Moore, who held a virtual fundraiser with Oprah Winfrey and a state comptroller, Peter Francho. So he had wide margins of victory in his four terms as state tax collector. And voters are casting ballots with the potential for history to be made in November. Moore or former U.S. Education Secretary John King could become the first state's or the state's first black governor and Perez could become the first Latino chief executive in the state. Kelly Schultz, Schultz, the only woman in the field, Schultz, would be Maryland's first female governor if she were to win in November. She contends she is the only Republican in the primary who could tap into Hogan's unusual political success in a heavily Democratic state. And so she is running against Dan Cox, a state legislator who has been endorsed by Trump. Early in the pandemic, Cox sued over Hogan's stay-at-home orders and regulations, saying they were unconstitutional. The lawsuit was later dismissed by a judge who said that Hogan had a duty as governor to protect public health. Good for that judge. Intriguing. I will say... I remember looking at this race early on and doing like a little eval and there are so many like heavy hitters, people with very vast political resumes on the den side in this race. And what like stood out to me was that like, where are the women? Mm. Like where are the I women? I mean, always. Like, but 
Nonetheless, let's talk about the Senate a little bit more, too. So Senator Chris Van Hollen, a Democrat, is seeking a second term. He first won election to the chamber in 2016, replacing retiring Senator Barbara Milk. Mm. Of course. Mm. <laughs> oh, man. Throw us a tricky last name and we are just Dust. on our asses. <laughs> so here's another one. Find us on Mikulski. the Mikulski. Mikulski. Ooh, that's a that's that's a tricky one. Who is then the longest serving woman, speaking of women, in congressional history. So we'll see. We'll see. Incumbents, incumbents, incumbents. Always an interesting situation there. The House, though. State has eight congressional districts, but only one open seat this cycle. Democrat Rep. Anthony Brown, who is representing Maryland's 4th Congressional District, is stepping down after three terms to run for Attorney General. So interesting little swappity swap right there, expanding the resume. But former Rep. Donna Edwards, who held the seat from 2008 to 2017, is running to get her job back representing the Black Majority District in the suburbs of the nation's capital. She will face a former County Prosecutor Glenn Ivey. Races to watch, y'all. Races to watch. Maryland, get out there. Get out there and go and send us, vote. Send us pics of your Please. voting stickers. We want to see voting it. Outfits. So last story. The House votes to restore ab- abortion rights and the Senate odds looked him. Per huge. So the House has voted to restore abortion rights nationwide and Democrats' first legislative response to the Supreme Court's landmark decision overturning Roe. The bill has little chance of becoming law, with the necessary support lacking in the 50-50 Senate. Yet voting marks the beginning of a new era in the debate as lawmakers, governors, and legislators grapple with the impact of the court's decision. The legislation passed 219 to 210. The House also passed a second bill to prohibit punishment for a woman or a child who decides to travel to another state to get an abortion, 223 to 205. Republicans spoke forcefully against the two bills, praising the Supreme Court's decision and warning that the legislation would go further than Roe ever did when it comes to legalizing abortion. Urging her colleagues to vote no, Washington GOP Rep. Kathleen McMorris Rogers called abortion the greatest human rights issue of our generation. (laughs) I mean... She's not. No, wrong. I was gonna say just you're correct. on the wrong just side flip it of over. the particular just issue. Flip it on its back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the White House hailed Friday's votes as an important step. By overturning Roe, the court has allowed states to enact stri- strict abortion limits, including many that had previously been deemed unconstitutional. The ruling is expected to lead to abortion bans in roughly half the states. Already, a number of GOP-controlled states have moved quickly to curtail or outlaw abortion, while states controlled by the Democrats have sought to champion access. So voters now rank abortion as among the most pressing issues facing the country, a shift in priorities that Democrats hope will reshape the political landscape in their favor for these midterm elections this year. And this is the second time the House has passed the bill, which would expand on, on the protections Roe had previously provided by banning what supporters say are medically unnecessary restrictions that block access to safe and accessible abortions. And so it would prevent abortion bans earlier than 24 weeks, which is when fetal viability and the ability of a human fetus to survive outside the uterus is generally thought to begin. It allows exceptions for abortions after fetal viability when a provider determines the life or health of the mother is at risk. The Democrats' proposal would also prevent states from requiring providers to share medically inaccurate information or from requiring additional tests or waiting periods, often aimed at dissuading a patient from having an abortion. The bill that would prohibit punishment for traveling out of state would specify that doctors can't be punished for providing reproductive care outside their home state. Democrat Representative Lizzie Fletcher of Texas, one of the bill's authors, said the threats to travel fail to reflect the fundamental rights that are granted in our Constitution. 
Democrats have highlighted the case of a 10-year-old girl who had to cross state lines to Indiana to get an abortion after being raped, calling it an example of how the court's decision is already having severe consequences. Since the court's ruling last month, some activists have accused President Joe Biden and other top Dems of failing to respond forcefully enough to the decision. Biden, who denounced the court's ruling as extreme, last week issued an executive order intended to head off some potential penalties that women seeking abortion may face. His administration has also warned medical providers that they must offer abortion if the life of the mother is at risk. Meanwhile, the DNC has already launched a digital ad campaign to energize voters on the issue, warning that Republicans' ultimate goal is to outlaw abortion nationwide. That's totally accurate, but like... How about do that effectively? Um, DNC, you're doing it right. Email us at infogirlmakeup.com if you are a DNC rep or if you know one, send them our way. We can help. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is true. Yeah. Ultimate goal is definitely to outlaw abortion nationwide if we lose yep. the House and Senate this year and the White House in 2024. It is absolutely probably going to be the first thing they push through, I would assume. I also think this is the most like classic connection to dating ever of like when they tell you who they are, like on like date one. Like, believe them. them. Like, believe them. This is who they are. Like this, Mitch McConnell gave us the warning already. Yeah, he like, gave us the warning. Not that this wasn't a warning in five gazillion other ways prior to, but like he very much said the quiet part out loud yeah. distinctly. So like. And yeah, we need to start believing these uh, threats too. Like we talk about this. Yeah. I think with Ben a little bit, Ben Sheehan from last week, and just like we are warned all the time of these things, these really heinous things that our government does. Like they tell us they're going to do it and we just don't believe them because it's not like an immediate threat. But we need to, again, just understand the long game of politics. You guys, it's so important, not only for like making the change you want, but also from preventing like really shitty things from happening and being proactive yeah. politically because I think that's like a very slept on way to be civically engaged and active is like that proactive piece. Just understand the long game. They've been working for this for a long time and it's coming to fruition for them. Yep. And we, these are kind of our last moments in like two years to stop it. So anyways, <laughs> those are our top <laughs> stories <laughs> of the week. We have another amazing episode for you guys tomorrow so tune in for that and subscribe rate review follow us on social media we have two instagrams at girl in the gov at girl in the gov the podcast we have very important information on both we have an amazing tiktok at girl in the gov and we have an amazing website girl in the gov.com where you can learn more about us our brand ambassador program and everything else we have to offer including girl in the gov.com slash vote where you can register to vote request an absentee ballot check your registration and pledge to vote so we just got all the things for you guys so go we do go click around and <laughs> and you know make my day and follow us on pinterest mm -hmm. thanks pinterest is sam's thanks. little baby but that's it we'll talk to you guys we'll talk to you guys tomorrow okay we'll see you tomorrow yeah yep 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 yeah totals okay toodles bye <laughs>